are so happy you're joining us on our Brentwood Church podcast. To find out more about Brentwood, go to brentwoodchurch.org. During this episode, we hear a great message that we pray will lead you to a new and deeper level with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bible or Bible app and grab a notebook or simply listen along. Hey, good morning, Brentwood. Hey, my name is Nathan, and I am the content and curriculum writer here at Brentwood Church, and I am so excited to be in week two of our series called Never Leave the One Behind. And this series is one where we're recasting and recalibrating ourselves with the vision that God gave us all the way back at the beginning of 2017. And at the beginning of 2017, we said that God had called us as a church to go after our vision that we said was one. And that one vision was going after one person to believe and follow Jesus, because their eternity is worth fighting for. We believe that every single one of us here in this room knows at least one person who is far away from God that we can invest in and invite to experience the same life transformation and hope and joy and peace and eternal and abundant life that we've experienced. And that if we do that, we're going to see a revival take place in our community. We're going to see the world transformed when we go after and invite the one. But we, we get it. Like, man, we, we talked about that all during January. We spent four weeks. It was awesome. If, if you weren't here back then, go back online, watch it. It was incredible. It was powerful. It was inspiring. But if we only talk about this vision in January, we all know what happens. The, the New Year's resolution symptoms, right? Like, you go, you talk about it in January. Yeah, let's do that. That's awesome. And then in December, we're doing laundry. We pull our one T-shirt out of the washer, and we're like, oh, that was that thing my church did. I wonder if anything happened with that, and we throw it in the dryer and just move on with our lives. And so this series is all about bringing that vision, that one vision, back into the forefront of our minds as as individuals and as a church, and saying, man, where have we won with this in the last eight months? Like, where has God moved in the last eight months if we've gone after our one? And then where are we not winning? Where where do we need to to grow and, and keep pursuing this, and how can we keep going after this in the rest of 2017? And last week, Pastor John got super practical. He talked about how we can go after our one and help them take one step closer to Jesus. No matter where they are, no matter what they've been doing for the last eight months, Pastor John talked about, hey, here's, here's how you can help them get one step closer to Jesus. And once again, if you weren't here, man, go back, watch that message. It was awesome. But today, I want to turn the camera around. Last week, we were talking about our one. This week, I want to talk about us. Who, who do we have to be as followers of Jesus? What, what do our hearts have to look like? How do we have to relate to God? What do we have to be willing to say yes to if we're going to go after and invite the one? And so today we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. You can go ahead and turn or flip or click there in your Bible or Bible app. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that in just a couple of minutes. When I was in college, I showed up at, at college at 18 years old, young and dumb. Now I'm not as young. And I had one goal, and that was to join the Air Force. I felt this really kind of hazy, nebulous sense of calling where it was like, I think God wants me to do something in the Air Force. I don't really know what that looks like. I don't know how it's going to happen, but, but I'm going to go after that. And so I came up with a plan, and my, my plan was this. I was going to be a nurse, and that was going to get me into the Air Force. And I, I said that for a couple of reasons. One, uh, when I was in high school, I had some aptitude for, for the medical field. I took a, an EMT class that I really enjoyed. My high school biology professor was like, you might actually be good at this. You, you, should, you should pursue this. Um, 
I also wanted to, to join the Air Force as a nurse because that's an easier way into the Air Force. You have a skill that the Air Force wants, and so instead of having to prove to them that you're good enough, uh, they tend to work with you more. You don't have to compete with all the political science majors who want to fly jets. And, and then the other thing was, at the time, nurses got this really huge signing bonus that had more zeros than I had ever seen in my life, and I really like money. So I was like, man, this, this is perfect. I've, here's, here's my plan. I'm going to show up to college. I'm going to be a nursing major. I'm going to specialize in something like critical care or ICU or flight med. I'll get into the Air Force. I'll spend my signing bonus on something nice. I'll go spend 30, 40 years in the Air Force maybe, you know, travel to exotic places, meet interesting people, not kill them because I'm a nurse. I'm supposed to patch up the good guys. And then I'll retire. I'll draw my big fat government check for the rest of my life. It'll be awesome. It's a great plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. The only problem with my plan was me. <laughs> See, in high school, I was one of those kids that was considered smart but lazy. I really, really early on figured out that I could do D quality work and get Bs. And so in my mind, if the minimum wasn't good enough, it wouldn't be the minimum. So I brought that mindset with me into college, which was not a, not a good choice. Not a good choice at all. And, and I developed this really bad habit that revolved around my use of the word no. It went something like this. Hey, Nathan, do you want to go to the study group tonight? We're going to make flashcards for the test. <laughs> no. Hey, Nathan, do you want to go to open lab tonight? We're going to get ready for the test. <laughs> no. Hey, Nathan, we haven't seen you in class for the last couple of days. Are you going to show up today? Test is coming up. <laughs> no. Hey, Nathan, I just got a copy of the new Halo. You want to spend all night playing it to see how it ends, even though you have a final at 7 a.m.? Yes. Yes, I do. And those of you who are over the age of 18 or work in education know exactly how this story ends, right? I found myself two years later, because I didn't pick up on it the first year. I'm a slow learner. Two years later, I found myself sitting in my advisor's office, and they looked at me and they said, with a 1.6 GPA, you're more likely to kill someone than you are to save their life. You need to find a new major. And that was it. Game over. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life after that. Like, that, that was my plan, and it's, it's gone. It's too late for ROTC. I don't know, like, what I would major in because I've got a 1.6 GPA. Like, what am I going to do? And the worst part was I knew whose fault it was. I, I, I knew. Like, I, I couldn't blame it on, like, oh, that professor did this or the school didn't help me. Like, no, I knew. It was my fault. I was lazy. I, I, I didn't say yes to the things I should have said yes to. I said no to things that I should have said yes to, and I said yes to things I should have said no to. And because of that, I, I missed out on this career that I wanted. Like, I, I lost this, this opportunity, this thing that I wanted to do, this thing that I felt God calling me to do, because I said, said yes to the wrong things. And we've all had experiences like that, right? They, they may not be as dramatic as mine. But, man, all of us can, can tell stories at that time when it was like, man, I should have said yes to this. I had this opportunity, and I said no because I wasn't thinking straight. I was afraid. I, I wasn't willing to, to get uncomfortable to, to go after that. And, and because I didn't say yes, man, I, I missed out. And if you're really honest, I think some of us in this room are, are doing that spiritually. I, I think some of us in this room are, are saying no spiritually. Like, we, we know what God's asking us to do, and we look at it and we're like, oh, that's, that's too much. That's too hard. That, that makes me uncomfortable. Like I, I'm, I'm unwilling to go there, and, and so I, I don't want to say yes because I know what that yes is going to cost me. I'd, I'd rather say no. Here's, here's the problem with that mindset. When we say no to spiritual discomfort, not only will we leave our one behind, 
But we're going to miss out on what God has in store for us. If we say no to spiritual discomfort, if God looks at us and he says, man, this is where I want you to go. This is how I want you to follow me. This is what I have for you. And we go, uh, we, we do the spiritual fat Amy, eh, better not. Man, we, we miss out. We miss out on what God has called us to do. And not only that, but we'll leave our one behind. We will. And I think that's where some of you are at today. You're, you're here and you're like, man, I, I love Jesus and I want to follow him. But, but if you're really honest, like, man, it's about you trying to be comfortable. You're, you're following Jesus because it's like, man, I, I love him, I, but, but I want to be comfortable. Like, I want to show up. I want to get my church on. I want to leave. And then I want to go, you know, hit up my favorite restaurant. You're here and you, you've kind of taken a knee spiritually. Like, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm running out the clock until Jesus comes back. But here's the thing, man. God didn't design us to live lives of comfort and ease. Like God, God didn't design us to be comfortable. God, God didn't rescue us from the power of sin, death, and evil. God didn't go through the pain and the heartache of the crucifixion so that we could just kind of chill. No, God, God designed the church. God rescued us so that we could rescue and redeem the world by going after and inviting the one. That's, that's our purpose. That's our goal. That's why God saved us. And so if we try to stay spiritually comfortable, we'll leave our one behind and we'll miss out on what God has in store for us. That, that's the bottom line for today. Man, if, if we make our lives about trying to stay spiritually comfortable, we're going to leave our one behind. We're, we're, we're going to be focused on us and we're not going to be focused on other people. We're, we're not going to be looking and saying, okay, who, who can I invite to experience what I've experienced in Jesus? But more than that, man, we're not going to have the same hope and joy and peace and eternal and abundant life that Jesus promised us. We won't. And I, I want to pause before I go any further and acknowledge that you, you can love Jesus and you can say no. And that doesn't mean that you lose your salvation. That doesn't mean that God hates you. That doesn't mean that you're not one of his people. It just means that you miss out on the, the full experience, on the best way of being human, on the relationship with God that he created and designed you to have. And I, I think that's where some of you are today. You're, you're here and you're like, man, I, I know what God's calling me to do, but it's uncomfortable and I don't want to go there because it'll be hard, but I want this really vibrant relationship with God that I see other people having, but man, I see what they have to do to have that and it's weird and it's scary and it's uncomfortable and I don't want to go there. And you show up and it's like, man, it, it's just weird. There's something weird with my relationship with God and, and the people around me and I, I don't like it, but I don't know how to get out of it. And man, I have been there. Don't, don't hear me standing up here being like lecturing down from the stage. I have been there. And I, I want to I share my story with you about how, how I left there today. But if, if we try to stay spiritually comfortable, we will leave our one behind. We're, we're wired to stay comfortable. We, we gravitate towards being comfortable. And that's why we have this core value at Brentwood Church that says we give up comfort to reach more people. Because we believe a person's eternity is worth fighting for. Like, we, we understand, we naturally default towards comfort. And we have to constantly check ourselves and constantly say, okay, God, where do you want me to give up comfort next? Like, like this core value guarantees discomfort. Fighting, that's discomfort language. Fighting is not comfortable. Fighting is hard. But the reality is there are some things that are worth fighting for. And we believe that a person's eternity a person's eternity is something that's worth getting uncomfortable for, is worth fighting for. And today, I want to look at a character in Scripture who understood that, 
who was willing to get uncomfortable. And because he got uncomfortable, he transformed the eternities, not just to the people that he interacted with, but of every single one of us in this room. His, his discomfort, his willingness to get uncomfortable echoes and impacts us in this very room today. And that's the Apostle Peter. If you've grown up in church or you're kind of familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard about Peter. We, we talked a lot about him during the, uh, the Seasons of the Soul series. And in, in the Spring of the Soul series, we, or in the, the message Spring of the Soul, we left Peter when he was having a conversation with Jesus on the beach in, in John chapter 21. And if you fast forward to the book of Acts, Jesus returns to heaven in Acts chapter 1, and he says, hey, I'm going to give you guys power. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to continue the mission that I started. I want you to continue doing that. And Peter, I want you to be a leader in that. And so in Acts chapter 2, we see all of Jesus' followers and disciples together in a room, and they pray, and the Holy Spirit falls on them, and Peter gets up, and he preaches this incredible sermon, and 3,000 people make a decision to believe and follow Jesus. And from that moment on, the church is born, and the church moves forward for the rest of the book of Acts, all the way up till we meet Peter again in Acts chapter 10, where we're going to be today. The church is exploding. Every time Peter gets up to talk, God moves. People believe and follow Jesus by the thousands. Peter goes and he heals people. He brings people back from the dead. It is awesome. And we pick up with Peter in Acts chapter 10 where God says, yeah, what I've been doing now is awesome. I want to do so much more and I want you to be a part of it. Look at at what happens in verse 9. Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. You can go to the... Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. And when, when you first read this, it's like, man, this is weird. Like, you've got a sheet full of animals. It's a vision. Like, did did Peter have like a bad burrito or something? Like, what, what is going on? Here's, here's what God's doing in this moment. God is using Peter's understanding of how God works, Peter's traditions, Peter's background. And he's saying, Peter, I'm doing something new. See, for, for Peter, those Jewish laws, the, the laws about what you could eat, who you could associate with, where you could do, how you lived your life, they said, this is, this is the way God works. This is how we interact with God. This is the way God moves. This is how we live in relationship with him. And God looks at Peter and using this vision and using this example of the food laws, he says, Peter, this this is the way you've thought about me. And it hasn't been wrong, but it's a limited perspective. And I want to show you so much more. I want to take you from this and I want to expand your perspective because I'm doing more and I want you to be a part of it. That's that's what God says. God says, Peter, I'm doing something different. I'm doing something outside of the norm. I'm doing something that's going to make you uncomfortable. And I want you to be a part of it. And in this moment, Peter has one of two choices. He can either say yes, or he can say no. Those are his only two options. There is no option C. There is no like, well, I'll, I'll see what happens, and I'll like dip my toe in, and if it works out, and if it's not too weird, then I'll keep going in that direction. No, like there, there are two options. Say yes, 
or say no? And here's the thing. If Peter says yes, it guarantees that he's going to get uncomfortable, right? Like God, God has already given him this weird vision. There are a couple of dudes downstairs that he has no idea who they are. They could be Craigslist serial killers. And God's like, hey, go with them. I've sent them. I want you to do what I've told you to do. Like if Peter says yes, he's going to get uncomfortable. But if he says no, he's going to miss out on what God's doing. And I think that's where a lot of us are at right now. Like, man, we, we know what God's asking us to do, and we know what saying yes will cost. And yes, saying yes is going to make us uncomfortable. But if we say no, we miss out on what God is doing. I mean, we, we just had Nick and Bethany up here. They said yes to a big yes, like, hey, move to the Middle East. That's a big yes. And we could, we could pull them back up here and say, man, what's been uncomfortable? What's been hard? What's been challenging? And they could use the rest of our sermon time and probably go into Monday morning and say, like, man, this is what's been hard. But if you were to ask them, was it worth it? Like, is the discomfort worth it? In a heartbeat, yes. Yes. Why? Because they have a front row seat to what God is doing in the Middle East. They have a front row seat to see God change and transform people's eternities. So Peter says yes. Look at what happens. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, respected by all the Jews. Pause. Things just got even more uncomfortable for Peter. Like the, the level of discomfort had ratcheted up. Hey, go with these random guys. Oh, hey, these random guys were sent by a Roman officer. At the time, the Romans were a conquering army. They were an occupying force. They, they were oppressing Peter's people. But worse than that, the Romans were Gentiles. The Romans weren't Jewish. And the, the Jews had always believed, like, man, the Gentiles, they're outside of God's love. We're God's special people. We are the ones who have the exclusive relationship with God. And the Gentiles don't. They're sinful. They're ugly. And, and one day God's going to come back and he's going to slaughter all of the sinful Gentiles. He's going to judge them. And the ones that he doesn't kill, he's going to make them our subjects. And God says, hey, Peter, I'm doing something different. I'm doing something new. I'm doing something outside of the normal. I want you to go talk to this Gentile. It's going to be uncomfortable, but if you do, if you say yes, you're going to have a front row seat to watching me transform people's lives. Look at, look at what he says. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. Peter says yes. He says yes. And, and look at what happens. He, he dives into even more discomfort in the next passage. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. And, and just, just watch how the level of discomfort increases as, as things keep happening to Peter. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Oh, so there's an audience. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. Even weirder. Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Look, look at how, how Peter's just like, man, I, I'm uncomfortable. I know that this is where God wants me to be, but this is weird and something has to happen. You know that it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter, enter a Gentile house like this or associate with you. I shouldn't even be here, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Peter says, man, I know, I know God's doing something. 
but this is uncomfortable, so, so what, let's talk. And Cornelia says, man, I, I had this vision, and this angel said, I've, God has heard your prayers, and send for this guy called Peter, and he'll tell you what's going on. And as soon as he says that, the lights go on for Peter. Look at, look at what Peter replies. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and hearing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one that all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven in his name. See, when when Cornelius says, man, God sent uh, an angel to me and said that I needed to talk to you, the, the lights go on and Peter gets it. Peter goes, oh, God's doing something new. I'm uncomfortable. This is hard. But man, God is letting me be a part of something. And and here's what Peter got. Peter got that God was asking him to be uncomfortable, not just to see if he would do it, but so that Peter could reach someone new. And, And it's the same is true for us. When God asks us to get uncomfortable, he's preparing us to reach the one. Like, God God doesn't just ask us to get uncomfortable because he wants us to. God doesn't just ask us to get uncomfortable because he wants to see if we'll do it or because he's mean. No, when God says, I need you to get uncomfortable, I need you to say yes to this, I need you to do this thing, and it's going to be hard, he's doing it so that he can use you to reach someone who is far away from him. And look at what happens because of Peter's willingness to get uncomfortable. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And do, do you realize the significance of this passage? Like, my name is Nathaniel Alejandro Cantu. I am not Jewish. This is the moment when I was allowed to enter the kingdom of God. This is the moment when God extended the ability for me to have a relationship with Jesus to to me. And not just to me, to every one of us in this room. Like Peter's willingness to get uncomfortable, to go to people that he was like, oh, wow, God doesn't usually work that way. To, To let God break him of his conceptions of like, this is how God works. This is what I'm doing. Peter's willingness to do that, to step out, to say yes to God, didn't just transform Cornelius' eternity. He transformed the eternity of every single one of us here today. This, This is the moment when all humanity is allowed access to a relationship with God. And it's because Peter said yes. Like, Peter got a front row seat to this, to to watch the kingdom of God expand from just the Jews to all of humanity because he said yes. Man, Peter, Peter got this core value. We give up comfort to reach more people because we believe a person's eternity is worth fighting for. Man, Peter was willing to get uncomfortable, and it was hard, and it was scary. But look at the results. And man, the same thing happens when we say yes. When we say yes to discomfort, when we say yes to fighting for someone's eternity, we're going to get uncomfortable, but we get a front row seat to see God change the world.
And man, I, I love to say that. Like, we love to clap about that. I, I love to get excited about that. But here's the reality. I like to get excited about that when it's happening to someone else. Like, man, when, when someone else is like, hey, this, this is what I think God's calling me to do, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to be hard, and I'm nervous, and I'm scared, and I, I don't know if it's going to be worth it, I'm all like, man, give up comfort. Man, you know, reach, reach more people. A person's eternity is worth fighting for. Let me, let me pray for you. Go, go. Awesome. Yeah. And then God looks at me, and he's like, hey, I need you to do this. And I'm like, oh, nope. Nope. That's, that's too much. That's too far. Like, this, this keeps coming up. This is something we never get over. This is something we always have to, have to keep fighting for and, and keep leaning into. And, and I, I pause and I ask myself, like, man, why, why is that? What, why is it that I keep having to relearn this? That I look at it and I'm like, man, I am willing to get uncomfortable. And then two weeks, two months, two years later, it's like, eh, nope, sorry, God. And, and here's why. The, the reality is, I think we, we refuse to get uncomfortable. We, we back away from getting uncomfortable because we believe the lie that God isn't good. Like we, we look at God and we say, man, I, I know you're asking me to say yes to this. I know you're asking me to lean into this. But I'm worried that you're going to let me down. Like I, I'm, I'm worried that, that you're not actually good. I'm worried that when I say yes, my discomfort isn't going to have any results. That, that I'm going to lean into this or walk into this and I'm going to say yes and I'm going to get laughed at and I'm going to get, you know, just nothing's going to happen. Or, or worse, that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up my comfort and like, man, it, the payoff's going to be worth it. And it's not. Like, I'm going to say no to things that I want to say yes to and say yes to the right things. And it's not going to be as fulfilling as, as I thought it would be. Because, God, I, I don't really believe that you're good. And so we, we struggle to, to say yes to that. And I, 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 in those moments, in those moments when I'm sitting there wrestling with this, like, man, God, is, is it worth saying Yes. I have to go back and remind myself of this bottom line. If I try to stay spiritually comfortable, not only am I going to leave my one behind, not only am I not going to be able to reach the people that God has called me to reach, that only I can reach, but man, I'm going to miss out on what God's doing. I'm going to miss out on what God's doing in our church. I'm going to miss out on what God's doing in my life. And I'm not going to have the, the joy and the hope and the peace and the abundant life that, that God promised because I'm going to be miserable. And I, I think that's where some of you are at today. I think some of you are like, man, Nathan, that's, that's great. That's so cool that you can get up and preach about that. But you don't know what I've said no to. You don't know how many times I've said no. Or, man, you don't know what God's asking me to do. You don't know how scary that yes is. You don't know how terrifying that is. You, you don't know what God's asking me to do. And I don't. But I've been there. And man, today, I want you to know that there is so much grace for you. There is so much grace for you, no matter how many times you've said no. No, no matter how scared you are, no matter how, how many things you look at and say, God, I can't do this. Man, there is so much grace for you. Grace, grace to let you say yes and to keep giving you opportunities. Grace to give you strength to, to keep saying yes, to lean into that discomfort. And the reason why I can say that is because I have lived it. I, I want to go back to that story that I, that I told to, to open this up. Man, I, I walked out of that meeting with my advisor and my dream was dead. Like, I, I knew that I had blown my one shot to, to do what God was calling me to do. Like, okay, time to go work at McDonald's for the rest of my life. And as I walked out of that meeting, I, I felt 
God tell me, hey, I want you to change your major to biblical studies. And all I wanted to do was say no. No. There's no money in that. I'm not good enough to be a pastor. I don't love God enough. What do my parents think? How am I going to explain to everyone that I'm getting some, you know, quote-unquote worthless degree? Like, I might as well just skip a couple steps and go work at Starbucks for the rest of my life. And God was like, no, I, I want you to say yes to this. Like, I need you to say yes to this. And I did. I did. I want to show you a photo. That's me in 2016, the day I graduated from officer training school in the Air Force, not as a nurse, but as a chaplain. It's not what I thought I would do. It's not, I, I looked at that and I said, I'm never going to get in the Air Force because I've said no. I've said no too many times. And I said yes. And it was scary and it was uncomfortable and it was hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But it is so worth it. It is so worth it. It is so much more fulfilling than anything I could have ever dreamed of. Yes, it is terrifying. It is hard. But man, I get a front row ticket, a front row seat to see God transform the lives of people who would never walk into a church. It is so worth it. But the reality is this is something like, I I can get up and I can share this and be like, man, isn't it awesome? Look at me, I wanted this. But I keep having to go back and relearn this lesson. I do. I keep having to relearn this over and over and over again. And that's where I've been for the last couple months. If, if you'll let me, I, I want to get really, really honest and, and vulnerable here. Um, so I, I grew up in, in a church tradition that said, like, man, you, you love God with your mind. That's, that's my natural bent, is to love God with my mind. I, I want to read books. I, I want to I understand I want a God that I can predict, that I can model, that I can say, God is working in this way because we did this. I grew up believing that emotions are something that are untrustworthy, that we, we shouldn't lean into, uh, that people who are led by emotions are, are not necessarily ones that you should trust, that, that emotional decision-making is bad, that the only appropriate time to cry is in your bathroom with the door closed. And I grew up hearing that, that people who had this overly emotive relationship with God, who, who cried when they prayed, like, man, they, they were weird. They were out of control. They weren't honoring God. I grew up hearing that, that these miraculous spiritual gifts, like prophecy and, and healing and, and tongues, they didn't happen. And the, the people who, who did that, man, they were out of control. They were possessed. And that was, that was my box. I, I knew God. I knew God was working in that. I, I knew how to relate to God in that. but I can't stay there. It, I mean, it's, it's obvious that God is doing something new in our church, that God is expanding the way our church thinks to see more, to see more of who God is, to expand our comfort zones. And, and God started putting me around people who cry when they pray or who practice these spiritual gifts that make me uncomfortable. And all I wanted to do was run out the door But the reality is, if I don't lean into that, not only am I not going to be able to reach my one, I'm going to get left behind. I'm going to miss out 
on seeing God take this church and transform an entire community. If, if I sit there and I say, man, God, this is uncomfortable. This new thing that you're doing at Brentwood, I don't want to do it. It's not the way I'm used to, to seeing you move. It's not what I, what I grew up with. I'm uncomfortable with it. If I say no, I'm going to miss out. And I don't want that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of what God's going to do in the next six months and what God's going to ask me to do in the next season. But I don't want to miss out. And so I want to I wanna get really practical because I don't want you to miss out either. And as I, as I was writing this sermon, when I first wrote it, I, I had this really safe, like, boilerplate way of, of wrapping up what I was going to say. Because that's, that's what my books tell me to do. That's what my training tells me to do. Like, man, I, I know how to wrap a sermon up. It's super easy. Here's the model. And, uh, man, I was just like, this, this isn't right. I, I need to say something different, something outside the norm, something uncomfortable. And I'll be honest, in this moment, I am terrified that I'm going to say something that's either going to offend one of you and you're going to throw, probably not a Bible, but like a, an iPhone at me. Or that, that I'm going to ask people to respond and nothing's going to happen. But I'm going to be uncomfortable because I don't want to miss out on what God has for us in this moment. And so I believe that today there are some of you who know what God is asking you to do in our next season. I believe that there are some of you who know who God has called you to pursue. And it's uncomfortable and it's hard and it scares you. I believe that there are some of you who know where God is asking you to go, what thing he's asking you to pursue, and it scares you. I believe that there are some of you here today who feel God awakening a miraculous spiritual gift in you, prophecy, healing, or tongues, and you grew up and you heard that people who had that gift were possessed or they were wrong or that that didn't happen anymore, or you grew up where you saw people misuse those gifts and you said, I'm never going to be like them. And you're terrified that if you say, I feel the Holy Spirit bringing this gift up in me and awakening this in me, that people are going to look at you and they're going to say, no, you're wrong. Get out. We never want to see you again. I believe that today, you know that the Holy Spirit is saying, yes, is saying, this is what I have for you in the next season. I believe that there are some of you who are called in the next serving season to step up and lead in a position that scares you. That you're called to take leadership, that, that people have said, you can't ever do that. That you look at it and you're like, man, people will, will think I'm crazy. People won't like me. I'm, I'm not qualified. I can't do that because I'm a woman. I, I believe that there are people here today who feel that. And, and you're like, man, I, I want to step into that. But I, I know if I say yes, people are going to say things. They're going to judge me. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. Today, say Yes. Say yes to what God is doing in your heart. Say yes to where God is asking you to step out. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be worth it. Because you're going to get a front row ticket to see God change the world. Thanks so much for listening today. We believe that everyone has a next step towards Jesus, and we'd love to help you take yours. Email us at hello at brentwoodchurch.org or visit our website, brentwoodchurch.org slash next steps. Until next time, go change the world.